Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, it's Thursday, and uh, we're back with you. Welcome back. Welcome back. There's a, yeah. Welcome back, Cotter. Did you ever? That was way before that our is. time. That was a TV show that was like around. I don't know why that came to mind. It just did. Weird, weird. The human brain is is strange, isn't it? Amazing is the word I would use. Strange, Am- but yes. Amazing. Yeah, I love the sensation of smelling something and being immediately ripped back into a, a season of time where that smell was connected to some cool memory. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. That happens. Sometimes I'll smell someone, uh, someone's cologne or perfume, and like, oh, that reminds me of so and so. And it's it's a really cool experience because in, yeah. I don't know how I don't know how it works. I just know that your memory and your olfactory glands are closely tied. I guess maybe location in your brain. I love listening to neuroscientists talk about the brain and how it works, and it's just endlessly fascinating the way yeah. that God designed us. Yeah, in fact, there are there are uh, are locations that smell a certain way like Arizona after when it rained in the desert during the the summertime yeah like has such a unique smell to it that, oh, that's cool yeah it's like one of those situations where I've never smelled anything like this anywhere before that's cool yeah it is cool yeah that's why I had that candle that was uh smelled like Arizona that was supposed to no it was supposed to smell like Dallas oh yeah, yeah. somebody I, gave it to I, me in California I don't know that it smells like Dallas though I've smelled Dallas personally now you've been here and I, I can I can confirm that it's not close yeah I well but I appreciated the heart behind it and uh, it smelled good. Yeah, it smelled good. Yeah. Just, I just wouldn't call it the smell of Dallas. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It, seasons have smells too. Like the the other day, not recently because it's been freezing, but the other day it was a little bit warmer than it has been. And uh, it was almost 70. And it was one evening and I was outside. I was like, oh, it smells like a, a spring night in Texas. Wow. It was one of those like- I don't know what that throwback. smells like, but that sounds- You will. I mean, okay, you will. I will. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, the human brain is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What's is there like a nostalgic smell for you that is just every time you smell it, you're like, This is this is the greatest. Um, you know, there there's a lot of smells from my childhood that I remember. They don't carry positive connotations. They should, they just carry that sense of wow, that was my childhood. Yeah. For instance, there's a there's a dish that my mom would make all the time. And whenever I, I smell something, I she, so she would use this tomato paste. Um, it was not tomato sauce. It was tomato paste. And she would pour that into a, a pan of, she, she would be cooking. Have you ever seen, in the, <laughs> if you go to a grocery store, in the Hispanic food section? Okay. Spend these, a lot of time there. Actually. Yeah, I, I thought so. That's why yeah. I, I brought it up. I knew you know what I was talking about. There's this <laughs> package of like stars. They're star sh- They're small, star-shaped. Like They look like pasta. Okay. And she, was, she would take that put a little oil in the pan, put them in there. She would fry them essentially, cook them. Yeah. And then she'd put the tomato paste in it. And that was our version of fideo, which is a Mexican dish. I come to find out later that fideo is actually something very different, but that's what she called it. And that's the smell that whenever I smell, I'm like, oh, that's takes me back that to yeah. that time frame. I did not enjoy the food of my childhood. Okay. I, I was very antagonistic. Yeah. So when I got old enough to buy my own stuff, I just went crazy. Isn't that unfortunate? Because we had our parents like buying food for us. When we were I, yeah, up, man. And I wish like, I could have appreciated it more. I should yeah. have. And that's that. Yeah. I own that. That's my sin. I should have appreciated whatever she made and said, Hey, thank God I have something. Yeah. But I was always grumbling inside. Mm, fair enough. What about you? Give me a smell. Uh, Christmas trees. 
I mean, every, oh, every, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's no, one of the ones trees. that's like, okay, every time. Yeah. Why, why, okay. So why don't they smell as powerfully as they smell in your memory? You know what I'm talking about? I like, think candles have ruined it. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. Candles and like Glade plugins and stuff. Like we've, we've artificialized, if that's a word. Uh, uh, overstimulated our olfactory glands. Yeah. So it never smells as strong as a candle. The candle's always going to be more overpowering than the actual the thing. The candle doesn't smell like it though. It, it, it definitely smells artificial. But like the tree, I, I've only smelled, I don't know, a couple of trees in my life where I feel like, wow, that's, that's it. Yeah. Smells right on point. Most of the time, the smell feels subtle and, and distant. Yeah, understated. Yeah, for sure. Understated is a good word. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I know a lot of our people probably miss the smell of Del Taco based on recent conversations <laughs> with people. That like lit a fire with people. Dude, I would think we got more feedback on that than anything we've said so far. It, it became the topic of conversation at my community group. Yeah, it was Bad like, man. like they're ready to revolt and just drive to Oklahoma City tomorrow to go. And bring us back some Del Taco? I, I could pass. I, I, I'll take no. a pepper jack quesadilla, please. Okay, well, whatever. And you some of those Chris Cut Del Taco. You know what they also miss the smell of? Our podcast. That, in other words, maybe we should get into the word. <laughs> yeah, they miss the smell of it. Yeah, the pleasing aroma. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, chapter 19 is not so much a, a pleasing aroma um, as we get into this because this is the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah well, on clear display. It, though, couldn't you argue that it was pleasing because he judged sin? Yes, and we've talked about that. Right. Yeah. So it, Dude, you're throwing like a, a massive a issue right at the beginning of chapter. You're like, let's talk about God's glory and salvation <laughs> through judgment right now. Genesis. Chapter all right. 19. All right. Well, you just said it wasn't a pleasing. Aroma, I was just referring to the fact that there, it's evil and wickedness. It smelled like you were leading us to a different conversation. It wasn't. That's not. You smelled wrong. Okay. All right. Smell you later. Yep. Genesis 19. Hey, here's a quick survey of the main thrust of the chapter. The angels come and visit Lot. There's, there's time markers with each of these four sections here. Verses 1 through 14. The angels visit Lot, says, in the evening there. Uh, then you get to verse 15. We read, as morning dawned. And this is when the angels deliver Lot and his family. And then in verse 23, the sun had risen. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed in this section. And then in verses 27 through 29, early in the morning, Abraham shows up and takes in the aftermath of the situation. Uh, but these angels showing up, and, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a horrific scene that that follows when lot brings them into his house because like, you don't want to stay outside it's not going to go well and sure enough the these depraved people this is a picture of the the utter depravity and depravity also <laughs> both <laughs> of, of those things <laughs> both of them. depravity depravity you say tomato i say tomato uh, of of everything going on and they show up and they knock on the door and, and they want uh, the angels and uh yeah and 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 man verse eight i Okay, explicit warning parents, again, Yeah, guard your little ears. Yeah. Not your ears, but the little ones yeah. whose ears you're in charge of. Yeah, I I, I, I hate verse 8 for so many reasons. I, I mean, number one, just the, again, the depravity, that these men are so lust-fueled that they desire these angelic uh, beings to come out and, and to know them in the biblical sense of the term. And then for Lot to turn around and take his two daughters and be willing to throw them out to this this mob. So what explains that? Because I've I've encountered an answer to that question that was new to me. What do you understand? I, Why does Lot do this? I don't think Lot has a right decision. I I don't so think it's there's the lesser of two evils. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because it's either you you send the angels out, and I, I read one commentary that said if he had sent the angels out, they would have taken care of business just fine. They would have, but I I don't think Lot survives. I don't think Lot and his family, that's the, the point this commentator uh, was making. Interesting, interesting. That that would have been a wrong decision to make. Yeah. Sending his daughters out, though, I, 
And, and, and the fallout from here between Lot and his daughters, it, it gets it goes from bad to worse as it the sure chapter does. progresses. Yeah, shows that they've been around Sodom and Gomorrah just a little too long. <laughs> right, right. Um, but the the angels intervene so that the 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 worst evil here in verse eight doesn't happen, and uh, and they spare uh, these these daughters and they spare Lot. Um, and they, they ultimately spare his family, but uh, notice uh, as, as they're trying to get the family out, uh, we, we talk a lot about Lot's wife. Now, JC Ryle has a, a famous, really well-known sermon on Lot's wife that is, uh, is worth your time. You can find it on, uh, on the Googles if you will search for it. Dude, it's, I found out you can get that whole book for free on Kindle. The book? The book is Holiness. And so it takes that sermon, makes it a chapter within the book. Yeah. Yeah, you can find it on Amazon for free. Yep. Look up the book Holiness by J.C. Ryle, or you can search for the sermon "Remember Lot's Wife" by J.C. Ryle. That too, you can. Do um, that. And uh, and in that sermon has the cadence "Lot's wife looked back, and Lot's wife looked back, and Lot's wife looked back." And it's the whole point is looking back at worldliness. God is calling us out of this and out of the the sin and out of our old man and into this new life and new creation. And we're tempted to look back, right? Well, Lot's wife gets the 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 bad wrap here and and because she turns into a pillar of salt but notice verse 16 verse 16 jumped out to me this time and, and it has in the past but it did again this time where it says but he lingered it's not just his wife lot lingers there's something about it that lot doesn't want to leave yep. that that lot's like man i do i really want to go there's a chapter in the book of on J.C. Ryle's holiness book that talks about this as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it says the Lord being merciful to him, brought him out of the city and set him outside the city. So, so God, his mercy and grace is all over this chapter, even in the midst of his judgment and wrath. So I don't know if this is something on Lot's part or if it's on his daughters, his sons-in-laws, which by the way, did you, did you catch the fact that his daughters were engaged? He's got sons-in-law. I mean, verse uh, mm. fourteen. Mm-hmm. He's got potential sons-in-laws anyway because they right. haven't been in, they haven't been married just yet. Um, you notice here it says here when when Lot went out to his family, his sons-in-law, they thought, oh, he's joking, which either suggests one of two things to me: one, Lot failed to communicate to his sons-in-law, his future sons-in-law, hey, this is what's happened. This is the Lord. This is yeah. who he is. He wasn't doing his job as potential father-in-law, and or his sons because of their depth of participating in wickedness, being around it, everything's a joke. I don't know if you catch this. There's, there's a sense in which evil likes to make everything a joke mm. because if you, if everything's a joke, nothing's to be taken serious, then God's not taken seriously. Right. You kind of, you see this even some of the award shows where they glorify and, and make fun of uh, the demonic. You right. have, what's his name? Sam Smith dressing up like the devil and doing these awful things. And uh, Taylor Swift, I heard recently, was doing a ceremony. of. So I don't know if it's true or not. I just know one of the things the devil loves to do is make everything a joke so that nothing is taken seriously. So either Lot mm. or Sons, someone's at fault here, maybe both, but there's something to acknowledge. Yeah, I, the more I read of him, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of Lot. He's, I mean, P- Second Peter says that he, he, his, his soul was injured. He was mortified by what was happening here. If it wasn't for Second Peter, I, I would be with you, man. But Second Peter speaks well of him. It does. And yet, like even verses 19 through 20, like he's like, hey, instead of fleeing to the hills, let me just go to Zoar. Zoar is a small city. Its sin doesn't really matter as much, in other words. Like, surely you can spare Zoar. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like Zoar was going to be in the path of God's wrath as well, that we would have been talking about Sodom and, and Gomorrah and Zoar. But instead, God says, okay, fine, go there, right? Um, yeah, it, it's, 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 
it's a difficult one for sure. For sure. Um, they, they flee as they flee. Yeah. Lot's wife does look back. She becomes a, a pillar of salt. Um, as these, the, 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 the fire and the sulfur rains down, by the way, if you, I think I've mentioned him before, but if you go to, uh, the, uh, YouTube page and YouTube channel, uh, expedition Bible, um, there is a chapter on, or there's a, a video rather on, uh, this whole situation in Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, it's called sulfur balls of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sulfur Balls of Sodom and Gomorrah is the title of the video from Expedition Bible. Uh, what's crazy is they have dug in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah and they f- have found preserved still balls of sulfur that are there in the, the remnants of where this city was. But he also talks about a lot of the archaeological evidence that they've uncovered for just a massive uh, fire event that took place that destroyed these two areas. And so it's more confirmation archaeologically of what we read about in the Bible. Not that our faith in the Bible is based on archaeology, but it's always cool when we see the two go hand in hand. I love that. So uh, really quickly here, Ezekiel chapter 16, uh, verses 49 and 50. Uh, many times you're going to have critics of a a traditional biblical marriage and sexual ethics say, well, look, Ezekiel chapter 16 says this, behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. They might quote verse 50, which says this, they were haughty and did an abomination before me. So I removed them when I saw it. So they would point to Ezekiel 16 and say, well, look, the problem with Sodom and Gomorrah was not the SSA. You got you guys tracking with us here? SSA? It was not that, but it was actually pride, lack of hospitality. I think Matthew Vines also uses this argument in his book, mm. God and the Blank Christian. Mm. So can you please respond to that? Ezekiel 16, 49 and 50, in relation to what the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was. Yeah. I, to make that argument, well, let me address... First, the the condemnation of those those things that um, we're keeping PG right now is is not just based on God's treatment of Sodom and Gomorrah. So I, I don't think it it changes anything for somebody to make that argument. I, I, not that that argument is is legitimate. I think when we look at the the earlier context in uh, what happens in chapter nineteen when the angels come to. Uh, to Lot's house, I think we see represented here the the depravity taking place here. And I think we see the wickedness on display. And there's a reason why that takes place. There's a reason why it's recorded that way. I think it's so that we understand what's at stake, what's at stake, what's going on. And it certainly is a lack of hospitality. Let's just say that. It is that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That would not be a very hospitable move. No, it wouldn't. But but certainly uh, that in, in concert with the rest of scripture's teaching on those things that uh, that we're talking about here uh, give us the, the clear understanding of what God is is communicating and doing here in this section. Right. And maybe in your Bible you want to jot down Jude 7. That's a really clear text. So yeah, it's true that those sins were were definitely culpable in Sodom and Gomorrah. But Jude 7 says just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise indulged in um Shmechimal immorality. Okay, I'm not going to try to hide yeah. that. You, you know what I'm talking about. And they pursued unnatural desire, serve yeah. as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. So that said, it is true that they were inhospitable. It was true that they had pride and excess of food, yada, yada. But it was also true that there was grave sin taking place. Yeah. Yeah, well, after they get out of the city, it goes from worse to worse um, because Lot now is without a wife and his daughter's 
realize that their uh, fiancés are now uh, gone. And so they decide to take things in oh, their own hands. It's, it's horrific. The Bible, man, is so beyond PG. It is. And uh, they intentionally get their dad drunk and uh, do things with him that no daughter should ever do. And both of them end up with child. One of them becomes the father of the Moabites and the other the father of the Ammonites. And if you know anything about your history, those two people groups do not uh, get along well with the people of God. And so, uh, yeah, this is a bad situation. Birth problems. Okay, so let, let me just, different spin on this. Up to this point, God has not forbidden the interactions that take place. I mean, obviously within the marriage context, I guess that's different, but God told them be fruitful and multiply. At some point, they're going to have to interact with relatives and in order to fulfill that mandate. So at this point in the biblical storyline, is this wrong for the reasons that we are, you know, repulsed by it? We're repulsed by it for the reasons that we know. But is that a biblically wrong thing at this point? Well, it's interesting because we're about to get to Abraham and Abimelech here, right? Because, uh, and again, he's going to say to to Sarah, hey, tell tell this guy that you're my sister. Uh, and at, at one point when this is exposed, Abimelech goes to Abraham and says, hey, what are you doing and why did you do this? And Abraham says, well, technically I, I didn't lie. Verse 12, besides she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter, daughter of my, my mother. mother. Right, see, there you go. So, to your point, I guess that there is somewhat of a permissive element of these types of relationships taking place at this point, at this point, uh, though I would argue it's probably fading more and more from what is expected or what is natural or what is, is even appropriate. Um, and certainly the way that lots daughters go about this is it makes it wrong, right? The Bible's not trying to paint this as a neutral story. In right. other words, it's painting a very clear picture of this was the bad thing that happened. Right. So I'm not saying that that was a good situation, but part of the revulsion for us is the incestual part. Right. And that is bad. It is. But I don't think it's technically a wrong thing. That specific element at this point in biblical history. Right. Our understanding is colored by 2024. Yeah. We have a yeah, different our modern context. Yeah, things. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, chapter 20, like I mentioned, is about Abraham and Abimelech. And uh, I titled this one, Haven't We Done This Before? Um, mm, it yeah. does feel familiar. Yeah, it does. Uh, because uh, Abraham goes into a situation. Now, Abimelech was, it looks like a Philistine king. Uh, Abimelech was a common name. It meant son of the king. Uh, Abi, uh, son of Melech, meant, uh, meant king. And so this is uh, one that was a royal official, perhaps uh, a Philistine king. And, and Abraham's there. Abraham is there with his wife and same, same song, different verse. He says, Hey, lie, tell him you're my sister because I'm worried he's going to kill me to take you. He does this. Uh, God, as we talked about last time we were talking about the situation with Pharaoh, uh, this time God shows up and, and specifically prevents anything physical from taking place between Abimelech and Sarah. Abimelech confronts Abraham. Abraham says, look, this is the reason why technically she is my sister. Plus I thought you would just kill me. Uh, and, and God, again, in his mercy, uh, delivers Abraham from this situation and blesses him by giving Abraham even more wealth on top of everything uh, on the back end of this. So this is a very similar situation to what we've already encountered. And we're going to see it again. This is not the last time you're going to see this. Right. Although not from Abraham. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, chapter 21, then we get into the birth of Isaac. Here's the son of laughter. The promised child has arrived. And uh, this is just the, the fulfillment of God's promise. This is, here's the the son of promise. God had promised it would happen. And now here the child is. And uh, there are, are moments in our lives wherein we see God show up and fulfill uh, promises that he's made. Not, not promises in the same sense of having the angel of the Lord appear to you and tell you that this is going to happen. But where we see 
his word verified or validated where God does something good. And, and those are good moments in our lives. I, I got to imagine this was a time of celebration for Abraham and Sarah to think about, man, this is amazing what God has done, that God has fulfilled his promise. We didn't think this was possible. Here's this child. What joy that must have brought the two of them. And, and what a what a boon to their faith. What an encouragement to their faith this must have been for them as Isaac enters the world. Don't forget, Genesis chapter 12, Abram starts his life, now Abraham, at 75 years old. Did you catch the numerical marker of where we're at now? He is 100 years old. Chapter 21, verse 5. Yeah. So we're talking about 25 years being removed from the initial promise of God saying, I'm going to bless you and make you a great nation. We read that over the course of what, three days? I don't know how long it's been. Yeah. But that's a long time. Yeah. You ask anybody to wait for anything for 25 years and they're like, I don't know, man. That's a long time. Right. Don't dismiss or demean the faith of Abraham and Sarah, faulty though it was. And, and trusting that God would deliver on his promise. And granted, they, they went about it the wrong way, but God was faithful. Took him 25 years to come come about, but God was faithful. Yeah. And also note, before we jump into the next section too, Ishmael is probably about 16 years old. Yeah, he's when, a teenager. Yeah, he's, he's in his teens. Yeah. So keep that in mind as we read the rest of the narrative. He's not he's not just a little boy. You yeah. might think that in your mind, like, oh, he's three, he's four. Right. No, he's 16. Yeah, he's 16. And and you know Abraham had a a relationship with him. In fact, at one point earlier on, when and we didn't comment on it, but when Abraham is waiting for the son of the promise, still before the promise that that Sarah would have Isaac, he even asks God, "Can't you just use Ishmael? Yeah, won't you just use Ishmael? He instead? loves Ishmael. He does." And yet God says, "No, that's that's not my plan. That's not my design. That's not what I'm going to do." That would have hurt. That would have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, in the next section, this child, this teenager, Ishmael, uh, grew and w- was weaned. Yeah, I would, I would hope so. By the time he's a teenager, I would hope so. <laughs> Which is, so yeah, so that's why some people think he's so young. Right. Come on. Right, yeah. right. And, uh, and and Sarah sees Hagar and, uh, and, and she, again, despises her. And uh, perhaps because, again, there's this idea of she had a child before and even just the relationship. And uh, this has probably never been fully resolved. And so she goes to, to Abraham and says, get rid of her. I don't want her around. I don't want her son around, especially now that she has Isaac. There's a, an idea of this is Isaac's family. This is Isaac's lineage. Isaac is the chosen one. We need to get them gone. And Abram's resistant because again, he does love her and love him. Um, and, uh, and, and so he, uh, he's, he's upset, but God tells him not to be. Um, whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you for through Isaac, your offspring shall be named again, reminding Abraham, this is the promise. The promise is through Isaac, not through Ishmael, but he goes on to say, I will also make a nation of the slave woman as well, because he is your offspring. Again, the connection to Abraham means blessing that if you are connected to Abraham, you will be blessed. That's, that's part of the Abrahamic covenant and Ishmael falls into that category as well, but he sends him out and, uh, and it goes bad because the water runs out and here she says, she put the child under one of the bushes, um, the 16 year old. <laughs> Again, you, you get the impression that this is happening at a different time and place perhaps. Right. But at, if we're following the timeline, he's about 16 at this point, which I guess we didn't talk about that. Do you think that this happens at this particular period of time? Is this after they have, well, it must be, obviously it's gotta be because Isaac has mentioned the prior text. I'm just trying to make, why does the text make it seem like he's younger than he is? Again, unless this is a situation where we're out of order and we're just, it could be out of order. We could also, the, the language being used to us. Well, even then though, I mean, childhood adolescence is a modern creation, right? 
So it's so he would have been understood as he would have been a man close to man. Yeah. If not altogether, he's like, Oh, you're on the cusp, buddy. Yeah. So it, it is possible that it is out of order. Um, so weird though. It is. Scripture it makes it seem like it's Isaac and here comes. So anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a difficulty. It's not well, impossible, but it's a difficulty. It, it's right. And, and, and there are other reasons why it could be that. And we, perhaps there are other reasons why it, is, it even is that look at verse 18. Even God says to Hagar up, lift up the boy, hold him fast with your hand for, I will make him into a great nation. Now he was a light dude. <laughs> yeah. 200 pounds. Of yeah. Teenager. Yeah, I, 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 so th- this is difficult. Um, this is, this is hard. Uh, even verse 17, God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of the Lord called to Hagar and said, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Um, you know, he's used as a child. So th- the, the point is this, uh, regardless of whether this has been rearranged or out of order or not, the point is that, that God is, re- is fulfilling his promise to Abraham both through Isaac and also the promise that he made concerning Ishmael, that he would take care of Ishmael and that he would ultimately make Ishmael a great nation as well because of his connection to Abraham. And that's what Abraham's going to do. He's going to trust God to do what he said he would do. That gives him the assurance and the confidence that he needs to allow them to go their separate ways. Yeah. That would have been a really hard thing. Yeah. But remember, the reason he's here in the first place is because he listened to the voice of his wife to, to try to get God's promises in an unauthorized way. Yeah. And that can be just as applicable to us today. Yep. Yeah. This is on the fly, but even reading this more and more, it, it does appear to be that this is a younger child than than the chronology would imply. In, even in verse 20, he was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife from him from the land of Egypt. Again, the, the, the expertise with the bow, if he's 16, he's already, he's already there. He would have been hunting. He would have been out doing those things already at that point in time. Right. What do you need, mom? <sighs> it's hard. It's hard. But he's 13 earlier in the, 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 the account and he's still around at 13. It's right. It's, it's kind of a, a sticky wicket. It is. It's a stick it. <laughs> yes. Anyways, uh, the rest of the chapter is this treaty with Abimelech that Abraham makes where they're arguing over well and uh, and they, they go toe-to-toe with each other and Abraham reaches this agreement with him and they agree on who really dug that well, which was Abraham. And that was a well that uh, is Abraham's throughout the generations. So. That's right. Yep. Well, there you go, Yell. Uh, you may be unsatisfied with our sticky wickets, but sometimes... That just happens. Sometimes the Bible has sticky wickets. And this goes to show you have to keep reading the Bible. There's going to be so many things that you're going to catch that you yes. didn't catch beforehand. Oh, I didn't think about that. What about that? Yeah. And that's the beauty of going through the Bible every year because you're going to learn something brand new almost every time you read it. Yep. I don't know about you, PPJ, but every time I read it, I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that. Yep. What about that consideration? What about that? It's it's an ever-living document, and our response to it also changes throughout the years. Yeah, and the, what's so cool about this chronological plan is you've got the time to set in one particular context. You're not going from here and then having to hit pause and jump over the New Testament right. and shift uh, genres sometimes and, and certainly time periods to to, uh, to make the adjustment there. So it's right. kind of cool to be able to do it this way. I agree. But yeah, keep reading your Bibles and uh, tune in tomorrow, and we will be back with you. We'll see you then. Smell you later. Bye. 
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.